Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name is Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. In yesterday's episode, we heard from the head of the Trade Association representing the interests of UK independent producers. And today we're focusing on three of those companies to find out how they're coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. Jacqueline Hewer is Chief Executive of Brown Bob Productions, a London-based indie whose fixed-rig documentary series Inside the Ambulance has already run to 100 episodes and was finishing up filming on its latest season when cases of coronavirus began to emerge in the UK. Sarah Tong is Sales Director for Hattrick International, the distribution arm of UK indie Hattrick Productions, which was scheduled as usual to be attending MIPTV with a slate of new shows, including Jed Mercurio, BBC crime drama Bloodlands. But first, Laura Marshall, Chief Executive of Icon Films, spoke with C21's Clive Whittingham about how the Bristol-based factual indie behind a host of series for the likes of the BBC, ITV, Channel 4, National Geographic and Animal Planet is finding the situation. Well, it's been very interesting. Um, you know, where do you start with the positives, which is it's um, seeing the qualities of the individuals that you work with who are absolutely able to step up to any challenge in terms of what you throw at them, whether it's getting people back from the field, whether it's setting up remote working, whether it's sorting out um, effective communication. It's, it's, it's really doing what probably the television industry does very well, which is responding to a crisis. So, yeah, I mean, Icon is known as uh, as a wildlife producer, which obviously means you've got people here, here, there and everywhere all over the world. Yeah. How, how have you responded in the in the sort of immediate term? Uh, well, in the immediate, we've brought everybody back. Um, and again, that's something that we're used to doing, which is turning our sixpence. You, you use your fixes in country and your relationships with your airlines to get people back safely. And you give people as much notice as you can possibly about delaying future shoots going out you're really trying to make sure that you're communicating as well as you possibly can with your freelancers your suppliers your fixers and your commissioners um i mean obviously it's kind of open-ended at the moment we don't know how long this is going to last but what's the effect of a prolonged sort of production halt for a production company have you sort of gone into the planning oh so I think that the, you know most production companies will be in different phases of their in production on different projects. So you'll have some projects which are in the edit, you'll have some projects in pre-production, some projects in the field, and so each project has a different challenge that it needs to sort out. So in the in the projects that we're in production with, where we're still filming, that's the bigger unknown because what you're doing is working out let's say it's a minimum of 12 weeks, minimum of eight weeks before anyone gets out into the field again, ensuring that you've told people that and working out what the impact will be on your story and particularly natural history on behaviour or, you know, where those animals just might be in 12 weeks' time. Um, So you've got that element of rescheduling. And then it's the whole issue around insurances and cancellations and working very closely with your brokers and your insurers about mitigating and and reducing losses so that you can go forward in the future. Have you had many conversations with commissioning with you commissioning broadcasters at the moment? What have they been what have they been saying? I, I think we're all in it together. Their concerns are the same as ours. When do you think 
you'll be able to get back into the field? And the answer is nobody knows. And they know that and we know that. So it's just making sure that we are constantly aware of moving schedules and wondering if the stories that we're going to be telling are the same stories and how, if not, how are they going to change? And then with the stories that you've got in the edit, it's about making sure that communication is good enough and you can get your cuts across and you can get their comments back in time. But it's sort of business as normal in terms of that side of things. How is the um, cancellation of industry events? Obviously, we lost MIP TV and MIP Doc, which I presume Icon would have been looking to attend. But how, how does that, if that goes on for a prolonged period of time, how does that affect things? I think it depends for different. If you're a distributor and that is your key market, then it's very difficult. But we're all, you know, adaptable. We will do workarounds, and I, I don't think I'll be the first person or the last person or the only person to say that it will be a new business model that will work brilliantly in some aspects of our industry and less well in other aspects. You can't film stuff if you can't get out to film it, but you can probably sell it if you can't see someone face to face. I've heard you comment before on uh, the fact that television, the television industry isn't a particularly sustainable one. We're always flying around on aeroplanes to five-star hotels everywhere. At the moment, we can't do that. When we can again, do you see any permanent change to that part of the business, or do you think everyone will just hit the road again and we'll, build, you know, same old circuit? I think that there will be a change to business. I think there are two parts of the business. One is the actual production side of business, where you have to go to places in order to make the shows about the subjects that you're telling stories about. And it's working out how many people will go from the UK to go and film or fix those things or will you use people in countries. So that's one part of it. But in terms of selling shows and distribution and co-production, I think we will all think twice about getting on a plane just to go and have a conversation. And we'll have to think about how business critical that is. And it's going to have an impact on our bottom lines. It will save money and it will save the planet if we reduce the amount of travel that we do we've heard a lot because obviously original productions on hold all over the place which sooner or later is going to leave some holes in schedules and things like the european championships being cancelled leaves huge holes in schedules which in turn might make it a good time for people with big libraries of finished tape are you hoping to claw any sort of money back from finished tape sales absolutely that and you know that there is there's an opportunity there's always an opportunity so how how are we going to make shows to fill the gaps in the schedules will it be from finished tape will it be from archive shows it will it be less geographically ambitious shows but we're going to have to be clever smarter uh, faster in order to fill those gaps and I mean, tough, tough question, but the whole industry relies on um, on freelance work a huge amount, and they're the first people to 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 get the chop when things like this happen. What sort of measures have have you put in to help the the freelance that your company relies on? Well, we have pretty strong relationships with our freelancers, and um, we are looking at every opportunity that we have to mitigate the necessary curtailment of contracts and we are working out what that means financially and contractually it's it's a mixture of freelancers and staff and fixed term contract and separating them all out is um, a big issue for us 
So while we are not making any promises, we are doing what we can to keep people for, for as long as possible. But, you know, some people have gone and if you've got directors and editors who are making shows that aren't going to be made, well, that's it's a job that doesn't exist and it's in the future. So it's going to be very, very tough. But that's why we're looking for more work. You know, the, the, we've got to fill those gaps. Who are we going to fill them with? Yeah, how do you, get, how do you go about pitching to, to broadcasters at the moment? How does, that, how does that even work? Well, you know, like you and I are doing right now. <laughs> you know, I think everybody is working from home. Everyone might be feeling the need for a conversation. So you get on the telephone, you make your um, Zoom call look as good as possible and you tell the compelling stories that you've always told it's just not face to face so no no, there's no there's no stopping of conversations and how much work from home can there be in a production company because it's all edits and edit suites and things like that isn't it i mean what's the practicality of that we are very fortunate and we have a very brilliant post team and they have been moving all our edits out one by one into people's homes, making sure that the connectivity is up and running, the security of data and media is up and running. And we think that it will be business as normal. As, a, as an independent British business, did the Chancellor's statement and the we'll do whatever it takes uh, mantra, yeah, did that, did that reassure? What did you think of that? I'm not sure it reassured, but I do think it's heartening. Um, I think it worked, I think it landed very well. Um, obviously, it's in the detail. We have no idea what that business loan looks like. We have no idea what the details are going to be, what the, you know, I think like all of us, we want to keep people employed. We want people to be able to pay their rent and, and we want people to be able to live a dignified life. So absolutely the help that comes to us will go to people so that we can keep them employed for longer. I do feel Icon Films are in a good place. You've got good people who are working hard and are very committed, and I think we have amazingly loyal people, and we want to be loyal right back at them to keep them going. And I think we've got some fantastic customers too who who want to keep working with us, but it's scary. And um, so you attack fright with knowledge we're just trying to remove as many unknowns as we possibly can laura marshall chief executive of icon films next clive asked sarah tong sales director for hattrick international how the uk distributor was getting on technically we've been okay because a lot of us kind of work was sort of set up anyway to work from home so sort of quite early on i made sure that everybody had that set up so we were able to very easily start start working from home um so it's it's not had sort of on the general day-to-day it's not had a huge impact on us other than it's what what obviously then happened very quickly is that productions sort of were paused um and that has met you know not just here in the UK with the producers that we represent but just internationally which meant from sort of there was two different things that have happened so with the productions that we were hoping to take delivery of um, in the next you know few weeks or even months um, those have been delayed which means we've you know we've had either can't stop selling them because there's nothing to see or we've had to move you know just on a kind of more administrative side had to move dates and all of that but just internationally the format side of our business has 
it's slowed down massively. Um, but the Finnish program sales has become has picked up, and obviously a lot of buyers are looking to buy um, Finnish programs. But there is a lot of kind of uncertainty, obviously, um, in the market. Yeah, it's definitely changed. It's a bit different from territory to territory, and, and you know, buyer to buyer, with some being more cautious and others going full out. To, it's early days to see what the actual effect really will be um, but there's, there's definite a lot of negative side to it but there's, there, there are some positives for distributors with, with you know a good back catalogue of finished programmes yeah so we have we have heard that that silver lining for for distributors being that there was obviously going to be big gaps in the schedule is that something you've already seen you know big gaps that can be filled by finished tape sales is that something you've already seen and something you're anticipating yeah, I mean, it is, it is something that we are seeing in conversation. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we've, we've done huge big packages in the last week of finished programs, but we but we are, we should be so lucky. But we are definitely having those conversations now with broadcasters who have found that they've got gaps, who are now wanting absolutely to fill those gaps with, you know, long-running or big series, um, which is, you know, really is a silver lining. Um I can't, you know, it's it's obviously not something we anticipated because we didn't anticipate this this happening. Um, you know, nobody knew that this was about the, this virus is about to cause havoc. Yeah, absolutely. What effect, because we've obviously lost a lot of events, including all the events have basically yeah. gone by the wayside, and that's obviously where a lot of business is done. So how, how does that affect a, a distributor losing all those markets and events? I think it's not, I mean, obviously losing MIP, which was a, you know, a good launch plan, sort of pad for us, and Series Mania as well, That those are the only ones at the moment that are, are that we, around Apex, the airline market. Um, I think it's more, it's not just those, though, it's the sales trips that the sales team, you know, that are so valuable to the, to the sales team going out and sitting with broadcasters, you know, and, and being in their territory and, and watching the television, literally watching it in, in different countries. Um, that's had a huge, you know, that is, that's, that's a big obstacle for us to overcome. It just means we have to get on the phone and, and speak, to make sure we are speaking to buyers more than we otherwise would have done um, because we're not going to be able to go out and see them. Um, so it's, I mean, we're doing more video calls than, than we've ever done before, um, for some reason. Um, whereas before, you know, you could have loads of phone calls with people. It, it, it does seem to be everyone now wants to see you and do, if I'm having a call with someone and it's not a video call now, it's a bit, you know, it's interesting, it's different. You know, it is, it, it changed. Um, and it will be interesting to see what comes out of it because I'm sure, you know, obviously at the moment it is very scary and it's, 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 none of us know what is, what is going to happen. Um, it is, it is extremely concerning, but I'm hope, hopefully once we get through to the other side, there will be things that we've all learned from it and different ways of, of doing business. Do you think we'll take? Do you think we'll take a little bit of the the sort of lessons that we're we're learning on how to remote work and things? Do you think we'll take because people business or not, there has been a bit of you know this constant event cycle. Do you think that could be one of the permanent fallouts from this? Well, I think it's 
I think it will be. I think the amount of markets and travel that we do is not, it's certainly not good for the environment. And it's, it's, it doesn't, you know, when you look at other industries, it's not something that necessarily makes a huge amount of sense. So I, I do think it's difficult to say, because it depends on how long this lasts for. And obviously, I want it to be as short a period as possible. But the longer it lasts and the longer that we manage to actually do our jobs and sell our programs without getting on a plane every month, um, the more obvious it is that we can survive without it. I do think that the markets, you know, there are so many markets and they are so expensive that it is, I think it would be difficult for those, for those to bounce back in, you know, to be honest. I mean, some of them will go. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, we see that as well. Did the, um, as a, you know, as a, as a boss of a, as a, of a team, did the, uh, what the government came out with the two statements from the chancellor, did that? provide sort of reassurance for your employees could they have gone further what did you make of all uh, of all of that i think i i you know we are a very tight team and i think we are in a position at Hatchery international where all all of my guys are able to continue to do their jobs fully from home so it's there, there is no reason for anybody to be you know, as things currently stand, for any for, for there to be any changes at, at Hatchwick International, um, it's yeah. I mean, from the wider group, I could I couldn't talk talk for the wider group. Yeah, fair enough. Obviously, for the freelance community, it's it's a very worrying time indeed. Sarah Tong from Hatchwick International. As you heard there, and in yesterday's episode, the situation for freelancers is particularly dire in the present environment. Jacqueline Hewer, CEO of UK indie Brown Bob Productions, told Clive that the company behind series, including Inside the Ambulance for UK TV's W Network, has had to let a number of people go. We've all had to be massively agile all the time, and the teams have been absolutely brilliant at understanding that. We have unfortunately had to let a lot of people go. We do a lot of work with the NHS, so we do Inside the Ambulance. We were planning to do uh, a new series filming in an A&E department so obviously that has just been put on ice inside the ambulance we have almost finished filming so that's the one that we're going to take into the edit and see how far we can get with that really but yeah as I say we had to let a lot of people go either who were already with us or were had contracts that were coming up and that's just heartbreaking all round, really especially when you know that there's no other work out there for people that everybody's in that same position of they're just going to have to sit it out and wait till some sort of normality resumes. So we're all working from home. We're doing a lot of video conferencing (laughs) and just kind of slightly, I would say, still battle. You know, I'm not quite sure it feels like we've reached uh, stability. You know, there's a lot of changing of minds and seeing what, you know, how long we think we can continue you know that changes about 10 times a day really at the moment you know there's just a lot of spreadsheets being endlessly rewritten because i think the massive danger for a lot of people is that you can just carry on going for a sort of thinking well let's fill our time as long as we possibly can but then you know you've used up all your weeks in your schedule you've used up all your budget uh, and you kind of pop out the other end and you've still only got a half finished series 
So I mean, you're you're lucky in respect that you've got a series to a point where it's ready for editing. It's not you've not still got people out there filming on that. But I mean, this all depends how long this thing is going to continue, which we don't know at the moment. But for a production a production company that can't go out filming in the field, how I mean, how do you function? I don't if if that makes sense. Uh yeah, I do. <laughs> That's the big question. At the moment, we're still optimistically developing. We're talking to our kind of key commissioners about whether we can repackage existing content. Obviously, for Inside the Ambulance, we've um, delivered 100 episodes of that over the last few years. So we're looking at how we can repackage the existing content to make quick turnaround series that don't need any new filming. And... I mean, like everybody, what can we do an archive show? What can we do that doesn't require anything brand new? And a lot of what we do is based around access. And while a lot of places have closed down, we have thought possibly it's a good time for press officers to be quieter than they might otherwise be and be quite glad if their phone rings. So we have optimistically carried on with kind of our normal level of access calls to various different places that we might want to film and just with a view to kind of just at least getting the conversations going with commissioners in terms of intent so that when we're all in a position where we can do stuff again we've got some things lined up we're not starting from zero on the day we can all go back to the office and pick up where we left off your connections with the nhs coming in handy or are they are they they just like in total because the inside story of this would be be an amazing show wouldn't it it would it would except by the time we got it on air i don't know if anyone would be able to bear to watch it (laughs) (laughs) so with inside the ambulance for example we've been filming that over the last 10 weeks so coronavirus wasn't a massive thing when we started but we were aware of it Uh, and then quite quickly we had to draw up protocols around it in terms of what we would do if an ambulance the ambulance that we were filming in was called to a suspected case and at that point we thought oh well maybe there's something interesting to be done about the you know being absolutely on the inside while this is all unfolding but from a kind of a it escalates really quickly B, then the NHS just absolutely, the ambulance service absolutely has to concentrate on what they're doing, not having to worry about us being part of their lives as well. Because even though we, it's kind of, it's all filmed on a rig, we still have a production team that's present and we're still in touch with the press office all the time and the comms guys. And we still want to go back and do master interviews and all of that sort of thing. So in the end, it was just that we got to within a week of our scheduled end of filming when it all stopped. It was, you know, the, the plug was pulled, pulled for all the right reasons. So I think while we there was a moment where we thought we're right in the right place at the right time, in reality, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've heard, uh, we've heard quite a bit, because obviously there's going to be some huge holes in the schedule with all this original production grinding to a halt and the Euros getting cancelled and things like that. You've obviously got quite a decent library of, of content and we hear that it might be, actually be a good time for distributors to uh, to be offloading some library. Are you hoping to claw a bit of money back from, from the stuff that you've produced previously? That would be wonderful. We've got, we have already... Everything is with distributors already, so they're always, that's already an ongoing process. I'm not sure that we've got anything particularly that hasn't got a deal, you know, some sort of deal in place. Um, to be honest, I hadn't even thought that far. I hadn't even looked up enough <laughs> to, to kind of think of that. But it's interesting, particularly with, you know, all the, with MIP and everything cancelled. I think that world is going to have to change quite significantly. Um, and I think we might all find that having to make 
completely different ways of working work, we might not go back to exactly what we were doing before. We might take the best bits of what's really worked for this um, and apply them going forward. So I wonder in the kind of international distribution world whether that will be the same and people stop flying around the world to all be in the same room. Although there were shows, obviously, that were going to kind of be uh, premiering at MIP this time. So I don't know. We'll see it probably in the next six months. Things will, you know, everything will become a bit clearer in that space. And just yeah. just finally, as, a, as an independent UK business, what, uh, what did you guys make of the Chancellor's statement? Did you find it sort of reassuring or were there gaps? I mean, what what did you sort of make of it, basically? Um, I, di- I did find it reassuring because I think because it's affecting absolutely everybody in every sector all over the country, <laughs> it's quite difficult. As a small business, you just feel incredibly vulnerable. But I felt like at least there was the right intention and the right noises being made. So the level of detail might not be quite right yet. But I think at this stage, I only need a statement of an intention. And that has felt quite reassuring. Jacqueline Hewer from Brown Bob Productions talking with Clive Whittingham. That's all for today's episode. Remember, if you'd like to share your story of coping with COVID-19 with the international TV industry, email us using the address press at c21media.net. There'll be more from us tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>